isn't Pastor Luke awesome? Come on, Pastor Luke and, and Jillian. Well, last week, um, Pastor Luke kicked off what he called the passion series. And when you use the term or the word passion, is it is connected to what's called Passion Week, which is the last week of Jesus' um, earthly ministry or when he was down here. And it's looking at the last week of his life and gleaning from it because it is packed full of truths about various situations, about navigating our life. And Pastor Luke absolutely crushed it last week where he talked about Jesus' triumphal uh, entry. That was during Passion Week. But you know, you, I mean, if you stop and you think about it, you had the Last Supper during Passion Week. You had communion. You had the Garden of Gethsemane. You had prayer of consecration and, and dedication. Today, I want to talk about something that Jesus faced that I believe we all face and that if we don't purposefully handle it the way that Jesus handled it, it limits our life. It limits the potential of our life. And it's the word betrayal. Everybody say betrayal. Be betrayal. It's not, a, it's not a fun word, but you know, whenever it's brought up, particularly in the context of the Bible, when you think of betrayal, who do you think of? And just respond back to me. Judith, I always, you know, when you're a pastor, you get to see everybody's faces from up here. I'm, you're just looking at me, but I get to see your face. Some people, when they say Judas, their face contorts. How many of you know what I'm saying? Like the dirty dog. How many of you know what I'm saying? It's their face, they, their face contorts. And you know, you think about it is, um, is most of us know the story, but today I want to drill a little bit deeper and learn from Jesus on how to handle betrayal without picking up the baggage that limits our life or our lives and our future. Jesus went through it, but the Bible says was without sin. He was without sin. He didn't miss the mark. How many of you know when you've, be, when you've been betrayed in your life, if we don't watch it, it just kind of opens the door to some stuff. You know what I'm saying? It, open, it opens the door to some stuff. But when, Je when Jesus was betrayed, most of us only think about Judas. And I get it. I, I understand. And, you know, I just want to, um, and I want to maybe bring a little bit of context, but going to the cross and paying for your and my mistakes is why Jesus came. He was aware of it. He knew the day was coming. As a matter of fact, it was prophesied about Judas in Zechariah and in Psalms 109, where it was prophesied about him. And going to the cross was the hardest thing that Jesus had ever done. He even said, God, if there's any other way that I can avoid this, I'm open for that. If, if there's any way that I can avoid this. But then he ended with saying, not my will, but your, your will be done. But I want to I think about betrayal, maybe expand our concept in the Bible a little bit, is yes, Judas was who we call the betrayer. But what about Peter? What, what about Peter? You remember Peter? Peter said, everybody else will deny you, but I will die for you. 
And then some servant girl whooped him. How many of you know what I'm saying? And, and, he, and, he, and he denied. How much, let me just throw this out. All 12 disciples betrayed him at the cross. All of them betrayed him. I mean, think about this. That in Luke talked about the tri, Pastor Luke talked about the triumphal entry last week. But think about this for a moment. One day, how many of you got a piece of palm, uh, a palm branch? One day, they were laying palm branches down as he goes into Jerusalem, singing Hosanna to the king. And the next day, the same crowd is crying, crucify him. I mean, that, is, that was total betrayal, they, they, if you think about it. And think about this. After all that occurred, Jesus goes to the cross. And when he's on the cross, he says this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? And I think in our lives sometimes, he knew it was his purpose to come. He knew it. But there will be times in our life where temporary pain will try to convince me to question my trust in God's infinite and unfailing love because of the pain that I'm going through, maybe in betrayal in my life, to try to get me to question, God, how could you? And and from a pain perspective, especially our American culture, there will be times that we will look and we will question God and we'll say, God, how could you let this happen? How could you let this situation, how could you let this go on? Why didn't you tell me about this? And I want to encourage you with this, is God never wastes pain in our life if we'll follow him. He will never waste it. He will never waste pain. What pain does is it reveals what's in me. It reveals what's going on in me. You know, the example Jesus left of how to respond to betrayal in our lives, to me, is just absolutely mind-blowing. What we learn from Jesus is that betrayal isn't unusual. It's not unusual. I just gave you uh, five examples where Jesus stopped and he said, or, or he was betrayed. He wasn't betrayed by God, but his pain was screaming so loud that his feelings interpreted that as that. You know, have you ever met someone that was betrayed and got stuck there? They were never able to move on past it. Maybe they were betrayed in a marriage. Maybe they were betrayed by a boss. Maybe they were betrayed by somebody they trusted and they never entered or got back to a healthy spot in that area of their life because of it. And they picked up baggage. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at five things that Jesus did and that I want us to purpose to cultivate these five things that we can learn from him that whenever we've been betrayed or we feel like we've been betrayed, where we can just stop and say, I'm not gonna let go of the wheel of my emotions. I'm not gonna let go of the wheel of my expectation of tomorrow. I'm not gonna let go of my hope in God. And if we cultivate these, what it will do is it will 
stabilize us in those difficult times in our life. It'll stabilize. Number one is this, is what's happening to me isn't near as important as what's happening in me. I'm going to say that again. What's happening to me isn't near as important as what's happening in me. Realize this, what's happening to us is temporary, but what's happening in us translates into tomorrow. It translates into our tomorrow. Look at what it says in Proverbs 4, verse 23. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. I mean, we live in a time today I think it's kind of cool. How many of you have seen those little GPS? They're like, I mean, they're like super small and you can just stick them on everything. You know what I'm saying? You can stick it in your kid's backpack. And you know what I'm saying? It's be like, where are you at? No, you ain't. How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, you can stick it on your bike. You can stick it on, you can, I mean, you can get double dead bolts, triple dead bolts. You can get alarm systems. You can get everything. And we do all this to protect ourselves. But God says above everything that you guard, guard what you let get in your heart because what you let get in your heart will determine the course of your life tomorrow. It will determine where your life goes tomorrow. I like the King James says it like this. It says, keep thine heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. If you look up that word issue in the issues in the original language, it means boundaries or fence posts of my life. God says, what I let get in my heart determines the boundaries or the fence that I live in tomorrow. And what betrayal does is it tries to set up boundaries where we don't cross because of a hurt, because of a pain within our life. He said, above all that you guard, guard your heart because it's going to determine the boundaries that you live in tomorrow. And in what we guard is really, really important. And sometimes what we do is we're in pain or we're discouraged or this person, and we begin to set up things rather than looking in our heart and saying, what is going on in my heart? Remember, Jesus went through all of this, yet he was without sin. He was without sin. He went through all of it. Number two is this, is he had developed a trust in God and would not let go of it. He just wouldn't let go of it. And, and the key word here is developed. It's developed. Trust in God is developed. I've been married, Jill and I have been married for 38 years. We, we've been married for 38 years. Now, if you were to come up and say that my wife to me was hanging out at a crack house, okay, <laughs> If, if you were to come up and say, I saw your wife hanging out at a crack house. <laughs> okay, look, what you just did is what I would do because I know the girl. How many of you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
It, you know, I, I know the girl. And God wants us to develop a trust in him. And it is developed. It is not a, it, our, our trust in each other, it didn't start just last week or last month or last year, but it's 38 years of history. 30, 38 years of, uh, you know, 38 years of moving forward, of dealing with things in our lives. And when you, when you talk about it is we have to develop a trust in God that when we go through betrayal, we can stop and say, I'm not going to let go of God. I'm not going to let go of him. Proverbs 3, 5 says this, trust in the Lord. And I want you to correct me if I read this wrong with half your heart, 75% of your heart, 90% with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Trust is developed over time. And no matter what he felt or anybody did to Jesus, he trusted God. He trusted God. When somebody else betrays your trust, realize this, you can trust God that he'll use it for your certain good. He will use it to grow you in your life. Satan's goal in betrayal is to undermine one of the most important things to our life, and that is trust. His goal is to undermine our trust. And no matter what Jesus felt or anyone did to him, he anchored on God, I trust you. Do you know that when we moved here 22 years ago from San Diego, some of you would be like, you were crazy to move from San Diego to here. No, I just know that God's plan is better than my plan. And so location is always, God, what are you saying? But we had friends that came to us like we had lost our mind. They said, you are moving to Michigan from San Diego? They said, everybody there wants to move here. Have you lost your mind? You say, what motivated? I trust God. I just absolutely, unequivocally, I trust God. Satan's goal is to undermine trust. What if we, you know, and if we don't watch it, we just simply, when we get betrayed, we won't trust anymore. We just don't trust people. We don't trust life. Trust is the foundation to the peace of God in our life. And then if we stop and we say, God, I want more of your peace and I don't have peace. I want to encourage you that peace is, peace is built on the foundation of trust. And there's a huge difference between natural peace and God's peace in our life is that when I trust God with my life, I can have peace in any situation. This world's peace is a very thin veneer that is controlled by everything going on around it. But God, 
God's peace is deeper than anything that we go through or anything that we face. See, the peace of God is very different from the peace of this world. There's nothing down here that even comes close to the peace of God. Nothing even comes close. And we've got to guard against what I call a betrayal mentality or a betrayal complex within our life where we just simply won't let anybody in anymore because, you know, they betrayed me. And so I, I just won't, I just don't trust people anymore. Or maybe there's an expectation that people are just going to let me down. And, you know, people are just going to, they're just going to do things. People will let us down, but we don't need to be looking for it and expecting it in our life. We have to stop and say, Lord, I realize, you know, we can, sometimes I've noticed with people is they justify distance. They're just going to keep distance, not let anybody close, or maybe even justify a grudge within their life. And God is like, why don't you let me into that area to bring healing? I love God. You know, and I've heard people say this, I love God, but I don't trust people. And, they, and I want to just encourage you, that is not going to be an enjoyable life. And the reason is, is the, the trusting God affects every relationship in our life. I remember there was a time in, in my life, well, how many of y'all think I've been betrayed? Okay, wait, we're going we're gonna to count. Okay, how many think more than 10? 20? 30? Okay, look, hundreds. Okay. And I remember somebody that I, um, I, they came in and they were saved. The person they wanted to marry was not saved. I said, I couldn't marry him. And they were like, what? And I led that person to the Lord. They got locked in. They were committed. A couple years later, they absolutely, totally threw me under the bus. And I remember I was driving down the road and I'm just going to be super honest. I was crying. I was like, Lord, why didn't you tell me about them? You know what I'm saying? God, how could you allow this to happen? And I, re I remember that God spoke to me when I was praying and he said this, everything's going according to plan. And I'm like, that ain't my plan. <laughs> but immediately the peace of God came over my life. I had a peace. And what we've got to realize is it's God, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. God wants me to be more aware of what's happening in me than what's happening to me in my life. What's happening in my heart and in my life? Because whenever we've been betrayed, God wants us to bring it to him and to say, Lord, I'm going to follow you by applying what I know and in order to experience you as the healer of my life. Number three is this, is he stayed obedient and did what he knew when he wasn't feeling it. Jesus stayed obedient and did what he knew when he wasn't feeling it. How many of you know we as Americans like to feel it? I, I, you know what I'm saying? We like, we, we want to feel it. Lord, I want to, I, I want to feel it. What about when you don't feel it? What about, will you still do the right thing in what you know when you don't feel it? 
Well, because they did this, I'm going to do this. Well, because they did this, I'm going to get on the phone with Brother Big Mouth and Sister Big Mouth and just scorched earth. How many of you know what I'm saying? And stop and just say, no, God, I'm going to handle this your way. He continued to do what the Bible said, even when the opposite, it was the opposite of what he wanted to do. And do you remember his words where he said, God, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, it's not my will, but it's your will. He continued to do what the Bible said, even when it was the opposite of what he wanted to do or what he felt like doing in his life. That means Jesus didn't want to, but he said, God, I know what you want me to do, so I'm gonna do it anyway. Do you know that that's what lordship is walked out in our life, where we just say, it's really easy to say Jesus is Lord, but when we've been betrayed, how many of you know it's a little harder? It's a, it's a little harder to say, you know, I don't know how you are. Let's just be honest. How many of us, our flesh squeals a little bit when you feel like you've been betrayed and someone's wronged you? How many of you can just be honest enough to say, oh, mine squeals a little bit. Mine, <laughs> mine just gets a little salty, a little bit spicy. How many of you know what I'm saying? And you just got to be like, stop stop. Really, just, just calm down. Stay on the horse when you're going through it. Number four is this, is he saw himself as a servant of God before betrayal, during betrayal, and after betrayal. I'm a servant of God. I'm just going to be a servant of God. That didn't change. One huge thing that gets revealed in our life is that whenever we're betrayed, it reveals our why. Why do I do what I do? And I understand we do things maybe for people because we care, we want to help. I understand all that. But the, ultimately, it really needs to come back to God. I do it because it's the right thing. And God, I want to honor you with my life. And so if they don't, that's okay. I did it for you. I'll do it when I do what I do because it's the right thing and to honor God. When somebody wrongs me or they treat me, God sees it, God knows about it, and I just simply say, Lord, I'm a servant. I'm a servant of you. You know, remember at the Last Supper when uh, John 13 talks about it, but at the Last Supper when Jesus was, uh, it says, after he had finished eating, it says that he took a towel in a wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. Now, we look at that in our culture, and we say, oh my gosh, you know, I don't even, I don't even get what that means or what that's about. In their day, their shoes were sandals. They walked roads paths and dirty trails. And so what would happen is, is the lowest servant in a house was the one that stood at the door. And when guests came in, they would take their sandals off and that servant would wash their feet and dry them. And then they would go into the house. 
when Jesus stood up at the Last Supper, and I want you to think about this for a moment. He knew he was getting ready to go to the cross. He knew that Judas had, was going to betray him. He knew that the other 12 were going to leave him. But what he did is he took the position of a servant and he began to just simply identify. And he said, if I do this, then you should do that. And let me just add this. If Jesus did that on the worst day of his life, we should pick it up as a pattern in our life where we say, you know what? I'm just going to recognize myself as a servant. No matter how much God blesses me, no matter how much God's favors on me, no matter how far I go, I'm only a servant of the most high God and everything I get and everything I do is because of his goodness, his faithfulness, his mercy, and his grace. And you know what? I don't have far to fall because I'm at a spot where I just see myself as a servant of God. Amen? Amen. What number am I on? You're counting. Number five is this is he made allowance for good people to do dumb things. You know, sometimes people don't mean it. They just do dumb things. How many of you are with me on that? They, just, they don't mean it. But they're just like, that would, how could, come on. No, you're smarter than that. How many of you know what I'm saying? Remember when Peter said to Jesus, everybody else will deny you, but I won't. Do you remember that? I believe Peter totally meant it. 100% he totally meant it. But then he did something dumb. He denied him. He basically, he betrayed Jesus. But what I love is the story of after Jesus' resurrection, and the angel is talking to the women. In one of the gospels, it says, go tell the disciples and Peter that he has risen. Why would God not just say the disciples and add in Peter? Because Peter was beating himself up. Peter was self-condemning himself over the mistake. And God saw where he was at and he sent a really clear message. You know what, Peter? You betrayed me, but I let it go. I forget it. I want you to meet me. I've not changed my view of you. I understand. You went through it. You just had a, a, a bad day. The term, you know, people use is, they, they use all different kinds of terms. Look at what it says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. It says, bear, endure, and carry one another's burdens and troublesome moral faults. And in this way, fulfill and observe perfectly the law of Christ, the Messiah, and complete what is lacking in your obedience to it. Notice this. God said, I want you to bear, to endure, and to carry one another's troublesome moral faults. And he said, when you do that, you will fulfill and observe 
perfectly the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? To love each other. What is the law of Christ? To, to, Jesus said it like this, love your neighbor as yourself. God said, I can see where you're at when you got to bear with, carry, or endure somebody else's stuff. And he says, you just stop and you say, you know what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to just go into a betrayal mode. I'm not going to go into, I'm just going to stop in my life and in my heart. And I'm going to say, God, I don't get it. But what I do know is you're faithful. God, you're faithful. Think about God for a moment. God, how many of you would have liked to live in the Garden of Eden? How, no, just a quick question. How many of you think the food was pretty good? I mean, think about it. <laughs> how many of you have been like, oh, I'll take three of those, four of those, and one of those? How many of you know? How, <laughs> I mean, it was just like, no sin, nothing in the garden. God places Adam and Eve in the garden and says, you can have anything and everything you want in as much as you want. And I'm even going to throw this out there and you ain't going to gain no weight. How many of you would just be like, if God brought you to Kilwins, you stood in the window of Kilwins and he said, you can eat everything you want as much as you want and you ain't going to gain no weight. You would just be like, I don't believe you, Lord. How many of you know what I'm saying? But this is God places him in the garden. Everything is set up. Everything is absolutely perfect. And then God says this to him. He said, but you don't have the capacity to know right from wrong, good from evil, because you're biased from your perspective. I want you to not eat from that tree because it will destroy you because you have a dog in the hunt. You can't see everything. You need to trust me. And what does Adam and Eve do? They betray God in the garden because they pretty much basically said, God, we don't need you telling us what is right and wrong. We don't need your input. We don't need you to tell us we can live how we want and do what we want to do. And they betrayed God. And now we have the system of where we're living today. But what's incredible is God wrote the plan of redemption to get them back, to get you and I back God wrote the plan of redemption. I wonder today you're here and you say, you know, I've never given my heart to Christ. I've never come to a spot in my life where I've said, you know what? Realize this, you're not joining a religion. You're not joining a denomination. You're saying, God, I give you my heart. I give you my life. And I invite you to come in and to be the Lord of my life. You're here today and you say, I know that's me. Realize this, that the Bible says you can't even come to God unless he draws you, unless he's drawing you. I would like us all right now to close our eyes for a moment. Just close our eyes. I believe that right now the Holy Spirit is drawing you. He's drawing you. But only you can respond to him. When you talk about a relationship with God, what's really, really important 
is that we don't get to concoct and say, well, this is what, we have to go to the book. We have to go to the Bible. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one makes it to the Father except through me. You're here today, and you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never asked God to forgive you of your sins. Or maybe you're here and you say, I have, but I've slid off the tracks and I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. I want to encourage you this morning that right now the Holy Spirit is drawing you, but he wants you to respond to his love. If that's you, we are all going to pray together. But on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. By lifting your hand, you're saying, yes, Jesus. Yes, I give you my heart and I give you my life. One, two, three. That's you. Lift your hand to the Lord. Thank you. Thank you for your grace, God. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. One more time, the Lord is drawing you, and you know it. One, two, three. Thank you, God. Let's all pray this. Say this with me. Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. And I'm asking you now, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I give you my future, invite you into my present, and I thank you for healing me of my past. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you say amen? Next week is Easter. Are you up? Come up here, Luke.